Thank you, Darren. And worship team, uh, very thankful for each of you. I don't get to get up here and say that often, but um, those who uh, serve alongside me every week, I'm grateful for you all. Um, so as we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 2 um, again today, as you're turning in your Bibles or your devices, I'll give you a minute to do that and say a couple of things real quick. First off, um, I echo um, Andy's uh, words this morning, um, thanking Adam for um, his message last week. So uh, Adam, we know you and your family are at home and are grateful uh, for you and uh, bringing the word last week. Um, I'm also thankful to um, Andy for uh, bringing up this passage this morning. Do not look upon his appearance or the height of his stature. <laughs> Thank you for that, Andy, and for the, uh, the longest announcements in the history of Friendship Community Church. <laughs> um, real quick before we get started, um, uh, you're used to Keith Pipes, the guy who stands over here and hides behind the keyboard, but um, I... I want to introduce you to a new nickname of mine uh, that has come to life the past couple of weeks. I've had, uh, I've been called many things over my days, but uh, this one was a new one. So um, I have to, I have to share um, that uh, a few weeks back, I was asked to do um, the eulogy of. Um, of someone in our church who had passed away, of Ronnie Brown, if those of you um, who know him. And um, the, the service was uh, held um, at the Shriner Temple in Nashville. Um, Ronnie was a Shriner. He was a clown. Um, he helped us out in many ways, uh, not only in that, but other ways as well here at the church. But um, nobody really knew me there. Like, none of his family comes to church here um, Bob and Charlene Owens, who I'm not sure if they're here today, I haven't seen them, but they were the only people in the entire place that knew me. Um, Ronnie's daughter, Tanya, comes up to me and she says, I'm so sorry about your last name. And I'm like, sorry for my last name. And so I look in, in, the, in, the, in the program, it says Keith Pruitt. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. I don't, you, didn't, you didn't know, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Like... And she was so apologetic, she felt so bad. And I was like, it's, it's, it's not a problem. And so, um, so as the service begins, I sit down and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, nobody here knows me. Like nobody has a clue that my last name is Pipes except Bob and Charlene. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell everybody my name's Pruitt. They won't know the difference. Like I don't want to... I don't want to. I don't want to call out the family. Like I don't want this. You know, on the day that they're grieving their their um, their their father or their grandfather or brother. Like I don't. I don't want to. You know, point out a mistake that, that it doesn't matter to me. I don't. I, I'll be Keith Pruitt. Doesn't matter. So I get up and I. You know, again because nobody knows me. I'm like, okay, I got to say who I am. Um, <laughs> this this guy that nobody knows suddenly gets up and starts talking about Ronnie. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm Keith Pruitt. I'm, the pastor. I'm one of the pastors at Friendship Community Church. And Ronnie went, I was, I was, I was going to take the L there. I was going to take the loss, right? And so I get done. I sit down and another music, uh, song plays and um, some photos come up. And then Tanya comes up after me and immediately apologized for getting my... She goes, Keith Pruitt is not his last name. 
She goes, she, she, and she goes, I don't know what it is, but it's not Pruitt. <laughs> like, I, I was fine being Keith Pruitt. I really was. It didn't, it's just a name. It doesn't matter. So, um, so on top of that, um, uh, we were talking as a staff um, kind of in this uh, app that we use to kind of communicate to one another, especially, you know, it was helpful during the pandemic. And Eric um, pointed out that it was Anaya, right? Yeah. Um, was saying something about either me or Andy, but he called him Mr. Beef. You know who Mr. Beef? Keith, Keith sounds like beef, right? So he can't, much like my grandmother who was French who can't say her TH, and so she called me Keith. Um, Anaya, same way, like probably Keith doesn't, doesn't make sense to him, but you know, he, so he calls me Mr. Beef. So this morning, you're getting a message from Mr. Beef Pruitt. Um, so, <laughs> if it's terrible this morning, we'll blame it on that guy. Go back over here to the music again. Um, all right, so you should be in First Thessalonians by now. Um, let me pray for us, and um, we'll go through this passage together. Um, Father, again, um, we thank you for your word and the truth that it contains. And if any, um, if any word, if any power, if any change, if any conviction or peace or love or understanding or wisdom comes out of this vessel this morning, it's because of you and you alone. And so, um, Holy Spirit, may you do a work in all of us this morning through your word. And we will give you the praise and thanks and honor for it all. In your name, amen. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 2 and Adam Um. If you're watching online, I do have one page uh, this morning. Uh, he's, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he made a suggestion to the rest of us to put it all on one page because he was kind of going back and forth through. So Adam, I have one, one piece of paper. So if nothing happens in the room today, it's going to be a very short message. So First Thessalonians chapter 2, let's read this together. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God, to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You were witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you 
to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as to always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. All right, so that is uh, the first part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. What does that say about God? What does that say about us? Okay. Uh, all we do should please the Lord. So we see, um, yeah, there in verse 4. Uh, but just as we have been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. Um, much, much has been misattributed to, I um, can't remember if it's Augustine, but whoever um, uh, it gets quoted to about saying, uh, share the gospel and when necessary use words. Um, I think I think Paul would have something to say about that. <laughs> he would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we did the living thing, but guess what else? We speak to please God, not to please man. We should please the Lord. Somebody else said something. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, right on the, on the back end of that. So we should uh, please the Lord and um, God... Uh, Desires, let's, let's, desires, and, um, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. It trusts us with uh, desires, well, see, this is what I get for trying to write and not think at the same time. Um, let's, let's erase here. God desires us to share share um, the gospel. Let's just make them separate. Gospel. God entrusts us with the gospel. Um, so yeah, and it pleases him when we do this. So uh, Wednesday night, I have to also thank um, our community group for helping me write this sermon. <laughs> uh, we actually uh, 
went through and studied this first part of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2 together. And um, I actually wrote this stuff. There's a little marker board in that room. And I wrote it down. And so as I was writing all this down, um, I didn't even notice it at first. Like I took a photo of it so I'd remember, like, okay, these are going to be my notes for my sermon. Awesome. Um, and so I didn't notice this at first, but the next day looking back over, you know, me writing and us talking about and, you know, drawing this arrow over here and this word over here, like the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, it was, it was just permeated everything that was written. And, I, and it's funny how I didn't really notice it at first. It just, it just became what this passage was about. And it is what this passage is about. And so, um, so God entrusts us with the gospel. He desires us to share. Um, he, he is pleased with us when we share. So God could have set this up so many different ways, right? Like his gospel. I mean, he could have, he could have caused this to be shared a number of ways. But he, in his um, holiness, in his divine wisdom, he entrusts us broken fallible people to share his gospel. And that's it's an amazing thing. Uh, might not be how I would have chosen uh, if, if I were God, but God entrusts us with it. We have this treasure in, in these uh, earthen vessels to share. What else does this say? So, um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going here. <laughs> I'm kind of half afraid I'm going to put my hand on this thing and mess it up. But let me put it down. Maybe I can write a little neater. Um, the gospel is God's... Uh, message slash word. Not... Ours. So we speak, as Paul says, not, not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. Um, for we never came with words of flattery. Uh, if this were man's message, <laughs> we would look for ways to flatter one another to accept it. Um, but he says, we didn't use that. Um, we didn't come for selfish reasons, for greed, um, nor did we seek glory. Um, so this is God, and that's, that's the beauty of it. It's, just, it's like Andy was saying, you know, it's, it's not the messenger. It's not, it's not anything that we bring to the table. All we, all we have to do is be faithful, like be faithful to speak God. God and His Holy Spirit works through this. So it's not, it's not the striving that necessarily we have to do to produce the results um, that we might <laughs> want to achieve. And we'll look at that a little bit later as well. But this is God's message. So guess what? Pressure's off us. Um, that is good, good news. What else? All right. God's kingdom will grow in the midst 
of conflict. We had this, um, this is something else that we talked about um, Wednesday night. And um, it was a similar thing, and I'm trying to remember now exactly how it was put. But basically, oh, so Paul talks about um, boldness. Um, so uh, so we, we, we had boldness, Paul says, um, in our God to declare the gospel of God. So conflict, so, so boldness, that boldness, um, it, I, think we, I think what we said was God's word, um, um, God offers us conflict, or uh, God offers us conflict in the midst, even in the midst of conflict. And it was like, uh, let's scratch through even, especially in the midst of conflict. Um, and I think I've even gone back now and said, you know what? Take those descriptors out. Like, boldness happens, like, conflict requires boldness. What, what I'm doing here this morning might be a little bit uncomfortable for me because I'm not in my usual spot. Um, so, but it doesn't take boldness. We're, we're in church, like, you came here expecting this, right? Like, like, if I came here and just told stories about myself for 40 minutes and then we left, You'd be going, what? why did I even bother? Like, so, so us studying this word together and me um, standing up before you and you answering you know, these, these questions about God and about us and about humanity and me speaking you know, from God's word and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit working through it. Like, nobody here is surprised by that, right? Like, this is exactly what you come here to expect. So I'm not really being bold this morning. Um, Boldness happens in the midst of conflict. Like, this is just me standing up here trying to be somewhat obedient um, in, in studying God's Word together with, with the church. So, to go out there is, is boldness. And it's not even really the same boldness that Paul had. Like, because he says, so, uh, let's see, we were in Philippi, uh, let's see, but, but the, verse 2, but though we had already suffered, and had been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness um, in our God to declare to you, so now here in Thessalonica, the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. I pretty much just marked straight through that, didn't I? Does that happen to you, Andy? All the time. Yep, all the time. I'll just underline it, that way you can still read it. <laughs> in the midst of much conflict, and he even describes a little bit more towards the end of the chapter as well. So, yeah, like God's kingdom will grow in the midst of conflict. Matter of fact, the argument could be made that you see uh, God grow the universal church um, in the midst of conflict uh, better than those without, right? Like... Like the spiritual, like when you when you hear the stories of of people in countries where it's not okay to believe the gospel and what they suffer and how they have counted the cost. Our cost is um, fairly small here, but for them, it's years ago. Um, Carol and I were in 
um, a country that wasn't a, a super, um, we, were, we were heading up a mission trip that was not in a real um, um, spiritually closed country. There were limitations and we had to be careful about this thing and that thing. But, we, you know, we weren't going to get thrown in jail. Like the worst they were going to do is kick us out of the country if we were there. But this, this country had um, taken a lot of refugees in um, from countries where that is a problem, and you do get thrown in jail, and you do risk your life. And um, one, of these, one of these places we went to, there was a man there who um, um, uh, had an eye missing, and uh, he... One of, the, one, of the, one of the folks there had told us that he had been caught carrying around a Bible until they pulled his eye out and filled it with cement. Um, and so, like, that's, that's likely not going to happen to us. Uh, we're not going to be likely faced with that kind of, um, of, of, of conflict. But that's someone who counted the cost. Um, and understood that something like that, because it, it was no surprise to him. Um, he understood that. And so, so there's a commitment there that, that I will never understand, most likely, um, from, from someone who, 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 who their devotion to the Word of God um, is, 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 is a much more riskier thing than it is for me. But you see it time and time again, the stories that come out of these places where it's restricted. God is growing that in the midst of conflict. Sorry, got on that. Um, What else does it say about God and about humanity? Okay, so... um, See here, God, let's, let's say this, God's peace, ooh, see, yes, <laughs> see, I'm a music guy, I'm, I'm married to a, a, an editor, I should have had you up here, um, God's peace exists in the midst of conflict. Uh, let's see. So he says, um, much conflict. Um, he tells why they were there. We, we shared God's word. Um, but, so he says, we were gentle among you. Um, we were affectionately desirous. Um, we, we looked to not only share the gospel, but our very selves. So there's a, um, Paul wasn't here for a long time, right? Um, there's, there's somewhere between like three weeks to maybe a couple of months that, that he was in uh, Thessalonica before, um, before he got run out um, of, of the city. And so, um, so it, it's a very short time, but, you know, this language that he, he gives here and even even in the rest of the letter, um, how much you can see Paul loved the, the Thessalonians and the, and the church there. And so in the midst of all that, 
you know, Paul says, um, you know, we were gentle with you. We, we shared our lives. We, we desired, we loved you. And um, for you know how like a father, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. We thank God constantly. So there's a, there's a, a big affection Paul has for this church. So even in the midst of, you know, coming out of Philippi and even in the midst of um, uh, the, the countrymen, and again, remember, <laughs> not only... <laughs> Not only, uh, this is back in Acts 17, not only did they run him out of uh, Thessalonica, he goes to Berea, uh, they show up there, <laughs> run him out of that town. And so, so as frustrated as Paul might have been with um, the, uh, as, as Acts says, the worthless rabble that was uh, conjured up to, to run him out of town, as frustrating as that might have been for him, you see that, that he still loves the people and loves the church there. Um, so, yeah, so even in the midst of conflict, we can, we can experience his peace. What else? Yeah. Yeah. So, what? T- tell me, what did you say at first? The power of God's word comes from Him and Him alone. All right. So, yes. So, um, Ken and I were actually talking about this last night. I see a lot of uh, a lot of grace and truth when it comes to Paul's dealings with the church um, and sharing the gospel in Thessalonica. So uh, he says, you know, we had boldness to declare the gospel in the midst of much conflict. Uh, for our appeal does not come um, from error or impurity, any attempt to deceive. Just as we improve by God, we speak not to please man, but to please God. Um, we didn't come with flattery. Um, we didn't come greedy. We didn't come seeking glory. So, so these things are kind of, to me, the truth part of, of, of how Paul is um, writing this letter and, and getting the, the church to remember what, what he was doing while he was there. We didn't come with flattery. Um, we didn't, and so, so those are all the truth part. We, did, we came to please God, not man. So we weren't, we weren't mixing, like we weren't trying to, to please you guys. We were trying to please God. But at the same time, he says, but we were gentle among you. I mean, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Affectionately desirous we share not only the gospel with you, but our own selves, because you'd become very dear to us. And we, we, we labored, we toiled, <laughs> night and day, so that we wouldn't be a burden. Uh, you were a witness, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted, encouraged, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. So, so while there's truth, there's also the grace there. There's this, um, 
there's this gentleness and this encouraging and, and, and celebrating with what God was doing in their lives. We were, when we were talking about this, um, uh, yeah, that was, la- that was last night. So uh, we're watching um, uh, snowboarding, the Olympic snowboarding. And um, it was the women's, um, where they do all the flips and tricks. It's got a word, but, um, but it's not the racing. It's the big, huge jumps, and they do all the stuff. So um, it was coming down to, there was American and a New Zealander, and there was one uh, lady from New Zealand who was going to come down last. And she, um, so the, the ones who were in first and second were still going to get medals, um, depending on how the last one did. And she comes down, nails everything, gets the gold. And so the second and third run out and like mob her, hugging her because her run was so great. And then like every other female snowboarder comes out and they're all jumping up and down, celebrating together from all different countries. <laughs> and we joked about like, yeah, you wouldn't see that in figure skating or <laughs> like there's a lot of events you wouldn't see that in. And we were, as I'm looking, I'm like, this is, this is a good picture of what, what Paul's talking about. You know, we were, we were there. We were cheering you on. Like, you know, we're not, we're not from Thessalonica, but we have this gospel. And, you, and we, so we're, we're, we're sharing this victory together, this, even though this conflict is happening and we're coming. And I'm, I'm going to share the truth with you. And it's not always going to be easy to hear, but... But the way I'm going to help you understand Jesus is to be gentle and loving towards you at the same time. And so, um, so yeah, it's again, and it's the power of God's Word that does that. I don't have the ability in me to love people like that. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that this guy does to conjure up this kind of love. And it's only from God who, um, who makes all this possible through His power and through His Word. All right, um, real quickly, um, thank you all for this. <laughs> you know, when you, when you get up here and you just open the door and say, what does this say? And you wait for a response and think, is anybody going to say anything or not? Um, am I going to have to speak the whole time and make, make all this happen? But, but when you do, it is not only encouraging for the mailman, um, but it, it causes us all um, to grow together. And so the other thing in line with that, um, in line with what Ken was saying, is um, Paul is very careful in um, verse 13 that we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but is what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. So if God does anything through us or in us, it is because of him and his word, and we need to, as Paul does, is to thank him constantly for this, for this working um, through us and in us. And here's the thing. And I, I actually, um, I, was, I was having lunch with Andy and Darren, and I was like, I, I want to be very careful when I get up here and not, I don't like 
playing the, you know, the what if game, the, the suppose. I don't, I don't want to pretend there's, as with apologies to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I don't really believe in alternate timelines and, you know, like this. God is Lord over it all, and it's all happening exactly as He desires it to be. There's nothing that, that, that um, pushes Him off of His plan. And so, so I want to be careful how I presuppose this. Um, because not only do we thank God for these things, but, but we need to understand that this letter is written, you know, after Paul has gone. And I think some things are probably um, coming into light than when he first left. Because imagine if Paul had stayed there longer. Imagine if, and apologies to Eric, um, I'm going to dive just I'm going to dip my toe into your passage just a little bit. But where Paul says, you know, Satan hindered us from returning. Like, what if, what if Paul, that hadn't happened? What if he'd have gone back and spent a long amount of time? Would we have this letter or the second one? Or would we even have it in, not as it is, but, but here Paul is writing this letter encouraging the church because he was run out of town because of the conflict, and so these, um, so the Jews and the countrymen that are running him out of town, not just here, but everywhere, it's got to be frustrating at the time, right? Like, you, you want to stay there, you want to encourage the church, but you're getting run out of town by the worthless rabble, according to Acts 17, and, and it can be frustrating. It's not how you plan this to go, right? But here we are, 2,000 years later, and we have this letter. Because he was run out of town. We have this letter from the time that he wrote it to centuries and generations and generations and and beyond us even are looking into his word, into this letter and learning things. And we sit here today and we pull truths from this letter about God. Now, again, I want to be very careful not to play that game, but... God's working this, right? He's, he's working this. this. This being run out of town, it was not their plan. The, the, the not being able to return wasn't their plan. But I love, the way, I love the way Andy answered the kid at Christmas, that God, in all the brokenness, is putting it back together better than if it had never been broken at all. Yes, it would have been beneficial for Paul to have stayed there. It would have encouraged the church greatly. But, but we have this now and the truth that's in it. I was thinking back to a mission trip that we did um, uh, in, in Quito, Ecuador, years back. And um, we're working with a missionary there, and he, um, he works with a lot of local pastors. He was actually, as we're planning with him, talking like, okay, we're going to do this VBS at this park, and at night over here, this group's going to go over here because they're going to do a Bible study because we want to start a church in this area. And, and so we're making all these plans like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, gospel in this here and this here. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, this is great stuff. I'm looking forward. I mean, this is great. We've been in countries where you couldn't do a whole lot. And it was actually kind of freeing there to be there. But, but then he goes, and I got this one weird idea. We're like, okay. He's like, 
I want to do an American cooking class at night at this one church. He's like, it sounds crazy, and I have no idea if it's going to work. And I'm like, hey, man, you're the missionary. We're here to, we're here to help you. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll do whatever you ask us um, because we're here for a week and leave, and, and you're here working. And so we want to uphold and support anything you're doing here. So we did it. And it was funny because we went to the grocery store, and it was actually a fairly large grocery store. And um, one of the groups that came gave us a recipe for like peanut butter cookies or bars or something. And so um, we had a translate, one of the translators, she was with us. And I was like, where's your peanut butter? Oh, so we go to the aisle and um, on the aisle where the peanut butter is, it's like there's a jar of peanut butter and the jar of peanut butter. And there's like two more and maybe two more underneath it on the shelf. She's like, here's our peanut butter. And I'm like, she just goes, What's so funny? I said, in America, it's peanut butter all the way down and then all the way down. <laughs> like, like it, it goes to the end of the aisle. <laughs> like, that's our peanut butter section in the States. She's why? <laughs> like, why? And, and ultimately, we couldn't make it because they couldn't comprehend a dessert with peanut butter in it. But um, that's just anecdotal. So, so, we, so we do the cooking class, and, um, and the first night, there's like five people there. Um, mostly women, and the second night, there's 15, like, by the end of the week, there's 70 people at this thing, and for years later, every once in a while, I'd get a picture from the missionary at that church, and he would say, see this lady? It's like, she came to the cooking class, and she's here every week, and she either brings a family member, or a neighbor, or a friend with her, and I thought, I mean, of all the stuff we did, like the fruit would have come from the Bible study and the, the VBS and the, like, not the cooking class. <laughs> like, all we did was just teach how to make spaghetti and, you know, share a little bit of a, of a story of, of, of how the gospel or how cooking with a family member or a mom or a grandmother really, that was our spiritual formation. Like, I wouldn't have thought that would have been the thing. Um, that, that, that God would have used um, to not only draw someone unto himself, but that that person, week after week, would bring someone with them. So remember, it is the power of God's word. It comes from him that we are to be bold and that we are to give thanks for him, thanks to him. <laughs> if anything comes out of it, it is God's working and his working alone. And a lot of times... It's not going to look like how we planned it. And that is how we know. Like, like Andy was saying, same person gets up week after week. You begin to trust the person and not God. But when, when a new person comes or when God does something unexpected or new, you go, oh, well, that, that wasn't because of me. <laughs> like, that, that had to be God. And God does that to draw us back to thanking Him and giving Him the praise and glory. So, um, let us pray together. As the worship team comes back this morning, we're going to sing um, another song here together before we go today, but let's go to Him in prayer before we do. Father, Your Word is great. There is nothing um, that I or anyone else brings to enhance 
or to magnify, if any of that happens, Holy Spirit, is it because of you and it's because of the will of the Father. And so may you take your word and your truths that we have talked about today and may you again um, cause us to apply them to our lives. Father, cause us to, to throw down roots deep into our souls with these truths that they would stay. But understanding we are going to need to be reminded again and again and again. That's why we do this. That's why we come together. That's why we do it in this place and out. Because our hearts are prone to wander. But you, oh God, are the only one who gives life. So all that we do in this place, may it bring glory to you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the definition of grace and truth. We thank you for Paul's life and his letters that point to you and you alone. Do your work in and through us, Father. And may we seek to share your message and to please you alone. All glory and honor to you. It's in your holy name we pray.